Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. He's been the bridesmaid a few times. Can he be the winner again? Backhand by Medvedev at the middle. Big off forehand by Nadal. He's on the stretch there, Medvedev. Beautiful volley by Nadal. He's done it. He's done it. Medvedev couldn't get the backhand back and he has picked himself off the canvas. In one of the most spectacular tennis matches that I've ever witnessed. The comeback is one for the ages. A 35-year-old who never knows how to give up. 13 years after first saluting here at Melbourne Park, he's won a second Australian Open. And right now, statistically, he is the best. 21. We have been blessed. Well, that is the voice of SEN tennis commentator Brett Phillips, who joins us now from Australia, and uh, I'm uh, amazed that you can. Five hours uh, 24. First of all, congratulations on your marathon performance. Uh, I suppose when uh, you're calling that kind of action with that importance, though, it, it might have gone a bit quicker for you than perhaps Nadal. Yeah, Ian, uh, good morning. Yeah, it's amazing. I love tennis and I cover it, but uh, it's funny how you start barracking for time when you're getting to the uh, the business end of a tournament. But uh, Rafa, uh, he wanted to extend it. Uh, first of all, can I say, great to speak to you for the first time and always been a massive fan of, as a cricket fan, uh, the New Zealand cricket teams over the years. So, yeah, great to um, great to jump on and have a chat and look, it was, uh, I mean, the, the, the script... You couldn't get a more perfect script. Ash Barty, Rafael Nadal on the back of a, a controversial lead-in uh, and live sport, live theatre. And this is what SEN, Ian, as you know, is all about. Uh, whatever sport, it doesn't have to be your favourite sport, but, you know, we had great interaction with our listeners all around the world. I mean, it's amazing who listens to the radio and you put it out there and what people are doing and they were, they were glued to it. Um, yeah, Nadal... Uh, what a warrior! I mean, he's he's you know it's, he's a legend of the sport. We thought probably five years ago that he mightn't be playing at 35. You know, the knees weren't that flash. They're taking a fair bit of wear and tear, but he is he is something special. And uh, like Ash Barty, just a, a terrific human being at the same time. What did you think after two sets, uh, Brett? In all honesty, you think it, did you think it was going to be a quick night for you, or, or did, because it has been? There have been some amazing comeback five setters in the last week of this tournament. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we sat there, Mark Woodford and I, in the second set and said, Rafa has to square this up. That, that's what you felt. Um, you know, he's never come back from two sets to love down to win any of his majors. So, and you're going 35 to be able to do that. Uh, that's almost uh, mission impossible. That's why, you know, you, you just, you sit here in disbelief still that it actually uh, happened. And look, he had a great opportunity in that second set. It got the buffer. Medvedev wore him down as he wears down everybody, uh, this guy. And he's built with sort of the same cloth of a Djokovic and Nadal in terms of his fight and his, his defence. His defence is unbelievable. I mean, you've got to play four or five extra shots to get through this guy. And that's why Rafa had to start, you know, going up the line a bit more and getting you on the stretch. But 
Yeah, certainly when he won that second set, you thought then, just sitting there in the moment, that he maybe broken the back of Rafa. But then Medvedev just started to get the wobbles. You know, the leg started to seize up a little bit. He had the pickle juice going. He had the trainer coming out, rubbing down things. And Nadal would have taken a glance over there and gone, hey, listen, I've, I've, got to, I've just got to hang tough here. Just play the next point mm. and, 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 and will myself to win. And, and you always felt when Djokovic wasn't in the tournament that I think it lifted Rafa because... Djokovic has been his nemesis on a hard court at Melbourne Park. Uh, so tough for Rafa to break the defence of Novak and go with him. And uh, this was maybe his one last opportunity to win a second Australian Open. Win all majors twice, get to 21. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's and the crowd. The crowd last night, 15,000. They only wanted one man to win, and that was Rafael Nadal. And the, maybe the 2% they added um, just got him over the line. Well, it's interesting to say that, uh, Brett, because I'm reading reports where Medvedev has actually said it was the crowd, which is probably one of his biggest enemies. Uh, he hasn't done himself a lot of favours. I mean, uh, you know, he's no doubt he is the future or one of the parts of the future of men's tennis, but uh, he does have a, a bit of an issue, doesn't he, with officials and those, uh, those peripheral things? Look, he, he's an interesting character. I... I Look, I love the way he plays tennis um, because I think anyone that's got a point of difference, Ian, we love in sport, and he, he's unorthodox. His shots are unorthodox. But the Russians, uh, certainly in tennis, have always been uh, interesting personalities. They're, they're quirky. They can, uh, they can entertain. They can, they can have you in the palm of their hand, and then they can clearly get you offside. They can go from being hero to villain very, very quickly. I mean... He can get, go through a match and not feel that love, and he gets a bit riled. But the thing about Medvedev, the big part that has improved in the last year or two is his mentality, because he used to be extremely fragile, where he would just have a, a meltdown and not be able to recover. So he can, sort of, he can sort of have these meltdowns and lose it, but then reset really well. That's what's got him to world number two. And I thought his speech was terrific. But then I, I haven't heard the press conference after I'd gone to bed by then. Apparently, he's, uh, he's gone on a few different tangents. So there's lots racing through the mind. He's, got, he's actually got a very high IQ. Uh, and he's, he's a, a guy that you could really embrace. But it's almost like he doesn't want you to totally embrace him because he wants to be that villain uh, that, you know, um, is hard to support. So he's an interesting mix of personality, that's for sure. Uh, the interesting thing now, of course, uh, the next... Uh major around the corner is uh, quite some time away obviously but it's the one that Nadal surely will go into as favourite having won it 13 times, quite staggering um, that record so he could get to 22 uh, might be a bit uh, too far for Roger but you kind of sense Djokovic is, if allowed to is ready to break down the door again yeah, well, I think we're probably not going to see Roger till the grass, um, certainly from what I'm hearing. I think it's, you know, everything's been decided in one final tilt at Wimbledon, which is his best chance on grass, and the uncertainty of Djokovic from here. So he's actually on the entry list uh, for a tournament in Dubai, I think in a couple of weeks' time, uh, which is an ATP 500. Now, uh, well, let's, let's see how that plays out. We know the French... They were at, at one stage. They said no. Clearly, black and white. No one unvaccinated athletes would be playing the French Open, and they seem to have now sort of changed their tune a little bit there. And you know whether they're going to like the Australian Open did sort of create this um, exemption loophole potentially. But uh, you know, I mean, Novak stepped up to win the French uh, last year, um, which has been very hard to do, as you said, with that phenomenal record of uh, Nadal. But yeah, I think I think this win under the circumstances. 
uh, will inspire Rafa to, to really kick on now and, and make the most of the next uh, 12 months if he can recover really well physically. We won't see him play now. Well, it'll be interesting, Indian Wells-Miami, the two next big tournaments coming up in March, whether he plays both of those on a hard court. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I think you know the emphasis has to be on the clay court season where he's you know, been so dominant. But, uh, yeah, every chance he could salute again at Roland Garros and get a, a two uh, major buffer, which you know, we wouldn't have predicted. I think everyone was thinking in the last 12 months, I mean, Djokovic now was about to go to the next level and, and really skip clear of Nadal and Federer. So, yeah, we'll wait and see. It's, it's an interesting... We've been debating it all morning, actually, with uh, our listeners, etc. Uh, the GOAT, the GOAT of men's tennis. Um, I mean, you, you look at uh, 13 victories on clay and then you compare clay to grass and then hard court. Um, I mean, you're in a, a better position than I, Brett, to, to perhaps be a, a judge of this. So, you go on numbers. I mean, uh, is he the goat at this stage, Nadal? Well, it, it's, it's an interesting debate, no doubt. I mean, Roger's been the best grass quarter, uh, Nadal's been the best clay quarter, and Novak's been the best on hard court. So, they've all uh, conquered uh, different surfaces, but all have won on all surfaces as well. So, that obviously puts them into this um, you know, incredible uh, category. For me, uh, personally, I don't think it's purely based on statistics. There are others who think it's black and white. But if, if the stats say this, uh, in terms of the, the head-to-heads and everything else you break down and, and the big matches they've won outside of the slams, then, then yeah, clearly right now Nadal is the greatest. I mean, for me, if I'm just looking at their game styles, I mean, how we judge, everyone's got a different opinion, don't they? I mean, if you go back through years, well, he was my favourite cricketer. He was my favourite football. To me, he was the greatest, even though the stats won't show that. So for me, mm. Roger Federer, I think he's the greatest tennis player that I have seen in the last, you know, 20 years that I've been covering the sport. But statistically, he's probably going to end up behind Nadal and Djokovic. That's the, the reality of it being the age he is. So it just depends what lens I think you see it from. Yep, I think that's a very good point, actually. There's arguments in all those directions. No one's going to argue about this. And that uh, Australian's women's tennis, I think, is in for a pretty good damn time because that was dominant yeah. from uh, the time the draw was posted and she delivered Ash Barty in the most um, conclusive way. She was superb. Ian, we're just really lucky. Uh, we're, we're very blessed uh, to have Ash Barty, not only as a, a brilliant tennis player, but just, you know, just her, the person, the humility, uh, the, the grace. She's authentic. What you see is what you get. They breed them pretty well up in Queensland. They're pretty laid back, and that's what Ash is. But, you know, put game face on and, and getting to work. Uh, she's as fierce, and you don't get to the top clearly if you're not uh, got that part of your DNA, that fierce competitiveness. And, look, she played a great tournament. We sort of wanted to see her. We wanted to see her tested uh, in the final to see how she would react and come through to give, you know, real validation uh, to winning the Australian Open. And that challenge was genuinely thrown down. I mean, I sat next to Sam Stoza in commentary uh, on Saturday night, and we'd written off that second set. Uh, Danielle Collins had really got herself into the match, and she gets extremely fired up. You know, she's come from that college tennis with the rah-rah over there, and, uh, you know, she's a bit of a later developer. Um, you know, certainly doesn't possess the variety of Ash, but she did possess some real genuine power. But then Ash went to work again, and the fight back was incredible. And, um, yeah, uh, look, to be, to be there to see an Australian win the Aussie Open. I was starting to get to a, a thought, Ian, that it would maybe never happen while I was uh, covering tennis. You know, I was at Wimbledon where Murray uh, broke the drought of Fred Perry and that was the loudest roar that I'd ever heard. And Yeah, it was, um, it was brilliant. And the scary part is <laughs> she's only just getting started, the Barty Party. I mean, she hasn't even mm. really hit her straps yet. 25, 
the best, I think, is, you know, is still yet to come. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And it's going to be a great time, I, I sense, for women's tennis uh, in Australia. She will inspire so many people. Now, uh, you talk about uh, the noise, et cetera, the war, et cetera. We cannot um, not talk about the special Ks. Uh, an all-Australian men's double uh, final, which is a great sign for men's tennis too, doubles tennis in Australia. So where does the, the special K party go now? Uh, does it continue on or is that a, just a one-off for the Aussies? Yeah, I think, I think all this to be determined. If you look at it, look, first of all, can I just say, um, having set their courtside on Thursday, which was normally women's single semi-final day before it was moved to prime time this year, which is a great call that TA made, I sat there and I looked at this. This is mid-afternoon. This is normally singles action going on. We've got a doubles match as the major focus point. And the crowd absolutely loved it. And you think, how do you replicate that at the other majors? How do you replicate that doubles becomes a bigger talking point or in a better, a better time slot than singles? Now, it's, you know, it's a tough one to answer. But it, it's, it needs sort of some of these singles players to come and play doubles. But the hard part now is the physical the physical nature of men's tennis, you just can't play both forms uh, like other eras did, and they played mixed doubles as well. Um, but, look, these two could be a pretty special partnership. But Thanasi has worked his way back to about 100 in the world, for me, and he's had horrendous injuries across his career. But he's our best young talent. He's the guy with the most upside to be our number one ranked male. So by year's end, he should be aiming to get back in the top 50 if his body stays fit and healthy, fingers crossed. So that's where the focus has to be for him. And for Nick, well, I mean, he's in limbo at the moment. He's outside the top 100. I don't think there's a firm schedule or plan uh, this year. And look, he, he's certainly more suited to the team events and uh, partnering up in doubles. It seems to bring out the best in him. But if they did combine, I mean, they could certainly get into all the majors, uh, qualify for the ATP finals by years. And they're, they're a difficult opposition to play because they don't play traditional doubles both powerful from the back. They're good mates, obviously. Great synergy out on the court. And they make life extremely difficult for the traditional doubles players who are up bowling close to the net, reflexes. And you've got these two absolutely hammering uh, you know, forehands, hammering serves down the tee. It, it could be a special partnership, but I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think the year's going to allow them to maybe play all the time. We'll have to wait and see. Great for ratings. Terrific for ratings. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was unexpected. Uh, I mean, they've, look, they've entered draws before, really, as a, to have a bit of fun. And, yeah, they, they would not have expected to, to make it through to the uh, the final. You could see it, you know, on the boys' faces throughout this disbelief every time they actually won a match. So, yeah, it'll be interesting in the aftermath what they sit down and, and have a discussion about um, because they're two, you know, extremely talented young guys. I mean, look, I've had, you know, I've, I've probably got more frustrated than anything with Nick Kyrgios over the years. I mean, because, you know, you sit as in our chairs as broadcasters and you, you, you want every sports person to be the best version of themselves and give their all. And that's not Nick. He goes to the beat of a very, very different drum. Um, but, you know, he's got another few years here to really maximise his tennis career. So maybe the penny might drop. We'll have to wait and see. Look, I've, I've called uh, Test Cricket, as you well know. That's six hours of, yeah. of action normally. If they hurry through their overs, you can get it done in six hours. Uh, you called a game of tennis for five hours and 24 minutes, I think, officially. Uh, but you didn't get a break. I mean, we can waltz in and out of a commentary box every half hour and go and have a breather and uh, watch out the window if we want to, but n not in your particular field. So uh, just tell us from a personal point of view, the art of commentary 
uh, when you're, you're dealing in radio commentary where you can't have gaps, uh, there's no pictures to help you out. How do you damn well yeah. do it? Man, I, I don't think physically or mentally I could do it. It's a hell of a talent. How did you get through five and a, five and a half? <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, Lawrence, our producer, brought in some... Uh, uh, snakes. He brought in some popcorn. Uh, um, I think we're, you know, I got a Gatorade into me about the fourth set, and you, you know, you've got a legend in Mark Woodford alongside you. So I sort of say to Mark, "Hey, Mark, just chip in, uh, go for your life. You're a little <laughs> breather, and you know, people want to hear from Mark uh, more than me." Uh, but it's an inter- interesting sport to call on radio. You sort of every year got to get yourself back in the groove. I call footy here, and you get into a nice groove over uh, six months. But yeah, you know, clearly we've got sort of on SEM, we've got you know the real true tennis fans and then we've got just sports fans in general how do you make that interesting and can i just say in the women's final on uh saturday night this is the power of radio in which you know i've been a part of for a long time and i love is that we had interaction from all over the world listening to sen uh, and that, that, that totally blew me away what the radio can do for those who couldn't get near a tv and and they felt like they were inside uh, Rod Laver Arena. So that's what SCN's all about, bringing uh, live sport. Even if it's not your first sport of choice, it's just that exhilaration of the moment, supporting an Aussie uh, in their quest to achieve something really, really special. And, yeah, you're trying to find, you know, 10 different ways to say the same thing. Sometimes it comes out okay. <laughs> Other times you're, uh, you're thinking, did that make any sense whatsoever? But you just sort of ride and, you, you know, the adrenaline, I suppose, of being involved in live sport just keeps you going. I salute you uh, for what you did um, and the continued great work in tennis and uh, uh, very happy that you're part of uh, the SEN team. Uh, so uh, thank you very much for your time this morning. I know you've been available uh, across the board to a number of our shows throughout this. So uh, thanks so much um, uh, for what you've done and, and uh, congratulations on, on a great call. Great talking to you. No, pleasure, Ian. If I could just quickly say our first serve tennis program, it, it runs all year round. So we're, we're back tonight for a two-hour special um, which I think will be 9 o'clock New Zealand time, which you can listen on the SENZ app, of course. And, yeah, we'd love uh, loved the, the, the tennis fans in New Zealand to, to be a part of our show on a weekly basis. So we've got it there. It's podcast as well, and we'll, we'll follow tennis uh, from now till the end of November. Brett Phillips, thank you very much this morning, and uh, we'll be listening in uh, on this side of the ditch. Thank you again. Thank you, Ian.